Again, welcome to our worship assembly today, those who are present with us and those who are worshiping with us online and are part of our West Irwin Church of Christ family this morning. We appreciate that uh, very, very much. And I appreciate Eric's words at the beginning, talking about all of the wonderful events that are going on right now and will be soon. We have a, a group of young people and adults who are, have been on a float trip on the Guadalupe, and so they will be returning this afternoon. Uh, as Eric shared, we have classes and activities tonight. Uh, we have a, a dinner Wednesday night before our Bible classes on Wednesday. We have a bridal shower this afternoon. We have uh, a, a baby shower coming up, a table shower. We have a wonderful event for our Young at Heart, an area-wide event that West Irwin will be hosting uh, this month. Later on this month, we have our trunk or treat coming up. And as if we weren't doing enough, let's throw in an acapella concert, shall we? Why not? And so we have, I am super excited uh, to have them coming here on March the 3rd. We hosted them at our church in Arlington at Woodland West, and it was a big, huge crowd and a lot of energy, a lot of joyful uh, worship and praise to God and having fun while it's happening. And that'll be a big, big deal. We do anticipate tickets going on sale soon. You can get those online. And we will, as a host congregation, have a, a, a discount code to share. And there's also discounts that are offered for uh, buying a lot of tickets. And so you may want to get together with a few other families and uh, buy some together by lot. That's the, the least expensive way. But we'll share, as Eric said, we'll share more about that. But mark your calendar for Friday night, March the 3rd. It will be an evening that you will never forget, and such a wonderful time of joyful praise to our God. You know, we were in the book of Philippians in our Bible class today, and uh, many of our adult classes, and we were talking from Philippians 4 in that great passage that says, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And even though he says that, and even though we do that, it doesn't shield us from the difficulties of this life. Even though we have all these exciting activities that we're doing as a church family and ways that we're trying to reach out to our community and our friends and our family, that doesn't take us away from being a part of this world. And being a part of this world means that there are difficulties and struggles that come along. In fact, as most of you likely know, when Paul wrote those words, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice, he wrote them while he was incarcerated likely under house arrest, as he describes, as Luke describes at the end of the book of Acts. And yet he could say, rejoice in the Lord always. It's just a reminder to us that rejoicing in the Lord doesn't mean that we don't go through struggles and difficulties in this world and in this life, because we do. We do. In fact, sometimes we go through more because of our faith. Sometimes it is our faith in Jesus Christ that brings some of that suffering and difficulty about. Have you ever felt worthless? Have you ever felt worthless? Have you ever felt like you had no value? Like your self-esteem, your self-worth was way down at the floor? Have you ever been rejected? Maybe rejected by someone that you had hoped to build a relationship with. 
Maybe rejected by a spouse. Maybe rejected when you try to get a job and you faced rejection after rejection after rejection. Maybe because there was a group at school or a group of friends at work or in the neighborhood or in some circle that you're in that excluded you and you felt left out. We've all felt that way. We've all felt that way. Even Moses felt that way. Peter, wonderful job at the table today leading us. And I love that you brought us back to uh, the burning bush and Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Because he shared a little bit of that, but Moses offers excuse after excuse after excuse to God. Because God was calling him to do a task and Moses did not feel worthy to do it. I can't do it. He offers excuse after excuse, one of which Peter shared. I don't even know your name. And finally, Moses just throws up his hand and says, Look, send somebody else. Why was that? Because Moses had felt defeated and worthless and rejected and of little value to anybody, and he had felt that way for the past 40 years. And now God comes on the scene and he calls him to do this incredible, incredible work of going to stand before Pharaoh. I love the contemporary songwriter and singer Lauren Daigle. And her song, You Say, is a powerful, powerful statement. She writes, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Have you ever been there? I know I have. What a wonderful look into the heart of a shepherd this morning as David Hammond shared. He's felt that way. We've all felt that way, wondering why we will never measure up, wondering why it's, we're not enough, it's never enough. Apparently, Christians in Ephesus felt that way sometimes too. The church in Ephesus pops up a lot in the New Testament, probably more than you realize, but once you think about it, you say, oh yeah, that's right, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Ephesus was one of the seven churches of Asia. It was located on the western part of modern-day Turkey. And the book of Ephesians, of course, that we're going to be beginning a two-month study in today, of course, written to the church there. Paul's second mission journey included a brief stop there in Acts 18, and that's where uh, he was with his friends Priscilla and Aquila, who were tent makers like Paul was, and spent some time with them, and then left after just a short time And while Priscilla and Aquila stayed, uh, a wonderful speaker by the name of Apollos came. (laughs) But he didn't know the whole story. And so we read about that in Acts 18. And and Priscilla and Aquila said, Apollos, you're doing a great job. We want you to come over for dinner Friday night. And so he did. And when he did, they sat him down and they said, you know, you're doing a great job. You're a powerful speaker. But there's, there's more to this than just John's baptism. Jesus has come. And you need to know that. What a great, great story. 
Paul's mission journey. The third one, he spent a lot of time in, in Ephesus, over two years in fact. And in Acts chapter 19, we read about that. And he writes First and Second Corinthians, likely from Ephesus. And there was a big riot there. Remember, great is Diana or Artemis of the Ephesians, depending on whether you're using this goddess's Roman name or Greek name. And the city was in an uproar. And finally, he was there. The, a city official came and told everyone to go home, and they did. Paul met with the elders from the church at Ephesus while off the coast on the island of Miletus in Acts 20. And some of the most powerful statements that are written to shepherds are written to those elders, are spoken to those elders and recorded by Luke in Acts 20. Paul wrote First and Second Timothy to his young protege while Timothy was in Ephesus. And as I said, as one of the seven churches of Asia in Revelation 2, Jesus sends a letter to them. The last look into this church, into this, these Ephesians. And you know what he tells them in the traditional translation, you have left your first love. All of those things centered around the city and the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus needed lots of reminders, and so do we. So do we. Because the world is hard, and it's difficult, and it wears you down, and it tries to cut you down, and Satan is good at what he does. And he finds whatever way he can to make you feel worthless, to make you feel like you're not valued, to make you feel like you don't measure up. And they're lies. They're lies that Satan tells us and they're lies that he uses people in the world to tell us. And we need reminders. Over the next two months, we'll be hearing those reminders of who we are in Jesus Christ. This sermon series is entitled, Blessed to Bless. And we need reminders of how blessed we are in Jesus Christ. But also the reminders that say it doesn't end with us. We, the blessing doesn't stop with us. We are blessed in order to bless others. To share with them the same blessings that God has shared with us in Jesus Christ. We need those reminders. And the first one is that we are chosen by God to be his special people. The first is a reminder to each of us that I have value. I have value. I am chosen. I am chosen. Whether it's as a child growing up playing sports, perhaps you were never chosen as the first pick, perhaps you were uh, chosen further down. Perhaps you were the one that was standing around when there was an odd number of players and you were there by yourself and they said, well, stand there, Billy. I, I mean, stand there, person. And if somebody gets hurt, then you can come in. <laughs> we know what it's like to be rejected. Perhaps it was a marriage that failed. Perhaps it was a child that turned their back on you or a parent that turned their back on you. Perhaps it was that job that you lost or that you never got. We've all experienced that kind of rejection, that kind of difficulty. And it aches at our self-esteem. And Satan is trying to tell us, you're a nobody, you don't matter. Nobody cares. Well, Scripture is here to say that is not true, that is a lie. 
Because God cares. And not only does God care, God has picked you. God has chosen you. He has chosen you. And that means you can say, most assuredly, I have value. So a few things about that from Ephesians chapter 1. First of all, God chose us. God chose us. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It doesn't say, if you measure up, I will bless you in Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that if you are absolutely sinless and perfect and faithful in your life, I will bless you. It doesn't say that at all. It says God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now don't let that word predestined scare you. Predestined in Scripture never means you're saved, you're saved, you're lost, you're lost, no matter what you do or how you live. Never says that. But what it says is like this right here. He chose us, He predestined us so that we could live in the image of His Son, so that we could be, as He's going to say in a little bit, to the praise of His glory. That's what He has predestined. He has chosen us to live this life, to be this blessed. Verse 7 continues, In Him, Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. I love that term. He lavished His grace on us. It's not like He was very careful because He didn't want to give us too much. He poured it out and lavished it out. It's like you have a bucket and instead of just getting a little cup and pouring it down, he takes the whole bucket and dumps it on your head. These are my blessings. That's how much he loves us. And then verse 11, In him, Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were included. You weren't excluded. You're a part of this. You're one of the chosen. You're one of the blessed. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Again, he loved you so much, he chose you and he predestined you to be like Jesus, his son, and to do his will to the praise of his glory. And he even gave you his Holy Spirit to help you in the meantime. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. There's a part of God that rests in you. God 
chose us. Secondly, my self-worth comes from within, knowing that God chose me. Jesus himself recognized this and affirmed this as, as well as any example I can think of in Scripture. And it's an incredible, amazing statement in John 13, just hours before he was to be betrayed and denied and rejected and killed. In John 13, verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. He was still there, but he already knew what he was going to do, and so did Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and he demanded that Simon Peter take off his outer clothing and wrap a towel around his waist and wash his feet. Is that how your version translates that? That's what it should be, shouldn't it? That's what we think it should be. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he, Jesus, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Those dirty, smelly feet. One by one, Jesus washed them, including the ones of the man who would betray him. The man who would deny him publicly three times. And all of the others who would leave him. How could he do that? Because he knew who he was. Because his value came from within. Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing what was about to happen, knowing where he was going, took off his clothes and wrapped a towel around him and got a basin of water and washed the disciples' feet. Our value comes from within. My self-worth comes from within. Not from the external circumstances, not from how people treat me. My self-worth comes from within, knowing that God chose me. I'm chosen. I have value. Lastly today, God chose us for the praise of His glory. To God be the glory, great things He has done. Amen. God chose us for the praise of His glory. That's exactly what Ephesians 1 tells us. In verse 12 and then again at the end of the chapter. And Peter affirms this as well in this wonderful passage on our identity as Christians. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. What a beautiful way to put it. You are God's special possession. You're not just His possession, you're His special possession. You're His special people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's our purpose, to declare his praises. We are chosen to the praise of his glory, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. 
And he has chosen us to spread that message. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God chose us for the praise of his glory. Lauren Daigle's song, You Say, continues with this well-known chorus with these words. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. And I believe. I believe. What you say of me, I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Don't believe the lies. The lies that say you are rejected. The lies that say you will never measure up. That you're worthless. That you have no value. You are chosen. You are chosen by God himself. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You are chosen to the praise of his glory. And so each of us can say, I have value. I am chosen. I have value. Say that out loud with me. I have value. Say it one more time. I have value. And you do. You do because of Jesus Christ. You have value because you have been chosen by God. You have been chosen by God to receive his blessings in Christ Jesus. You have been blessed to bless. It doesn't stop with you. But just like Jesus did, that feeling of value and esteem and worth that boils over inside of you comes out by being a blessing to others. You have been chosen for blessing so that you can bless others to the praise of his glory. I'm so excited about this series and I hope that you'll be able to share it with some. There are, there are notes about it online. There are notes about it in your bulletin about what's coming up. Take that message with you that you are chosen, that I have value and then share it with someone who needs to hear it. They're all around you. And just like we do, they need a reminder that you matter, that you are worth something, that you have value, that you are chosen. All those in Christ are chosen by God, blessed to bless. Are you in Christ this morning? If you're not, we'd love to help you get there. If you need the encouragement and prayers of this church, whatever your need, we are blessed to bless. If we can be a blessing to you today, come as we stand and sing together.